In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We are here with you doing our prayer now. Today, this this Saturday afternoon, and uh, we've come uh, to the end uh, of the month. And uh, the Church proposes a beautiful passage from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 4, which tells us about the storm, the storm that the Apostles experienced when they were uh, in the boat with Jesus, in the boat. He had, the, the Lord uh, had said, let's cross to the other side, leaving the crowd. And they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was. That's an image of what we do in our life. We, we take Jesus in our boat. We, he accompanies us all the way. He's always with us. You are with us here in a particular way. Here, Lord, as we do our prayer this afternoon, you accompany us. You accompany us right from the moment that you entered into our boat. You, you could say it was maybe in the moment of our baptism, but even before that, he, he's been accompanying us all this way. And uh, he was in the boat, and the other boats were with him. And a violent squall came up, and waves were breaking over the boat, so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you care? He woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Be quiet. Be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? And they were, they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this whom even the wind and the sea obey? Well, as we picture that scene now, in the middle of the storm, we can also picture Pope Francis last year, last March, where this same passage appeared. Well, let's say he used this passage in the middle of the, the pandemic, or at least at the start of the t- pandemic, once it had broken, and really we saw the first signs of devastation and death and lockdown all around us. And he said, well, it does seem as though in this time, the Lord is asleep. And he gave a very special, unique homily during a vigil of prayer. As you recall, he was all alone there in in a completely empty St. Peter's Square, just with a few 
a few servers at the sort of at the front uh, in front of this ancient ancient um, crucifix from the 12th or 13th century that had been used for a pandemic in in Rome centuries ago from the church of San Marcello in Corso the beautiful ancient crucifix and the idea was to show the people that crucifix and there as as the rain came down and just seemed to bathe St. Peter's Square with this this sort of wet this wet uh, you know glistering look the Pope referred to this passage he said let us try to understand in what does the lack of the disciples faith consist as contrasted with Jesus's trust they had not stopped believing in him in fact they called on him but we see how they called on him teacher do you not care do you not care if we perish don't you care it's a it's a it's a real complaint the pope says they think that jesus is not interested in them does not care about them one of the things that hurts us and our families most when we hear it when we hear it said is do you not care about me it's a phrase that that wounds us and unleashes storms in our hearts and it would have shaken jesus too because he more than anyone cares about us indeed once they have called on him he saves his disciples from their discouragement he was asleep but he got up and he said to the wind be quiet be quiet and that storm exposes our own vulnerability and uncovers the the sort of false and superfluous certainties uh, that we may have constructed with our daily schedules and our projects and our habits and our priorities sometimes we just do things out of rote and out of habit including our prayer and our life of prayer we may have recourse to kind of prepackaged formulas maybe we say the our father we say the hail mary but it can happen that since we're so used to praying and or used to praying or used to at least some form of prayer that that it, it's as though it doesn't really open our hearts that much and if we think of the gospel in the last few days the gospel was about the sower sower who throws the seed into the ground and and of course there's different types of ground some of the seed falls into good ground some of the seed falls in rocky ground some of the seed falls in ground that is surrounded by thorns and thistles and it's as though sometimes the the seed of god's grace doesn't seem to take and and we have to be patient with that seed And perhaps uh, as we consider really both these passages, the storm at sea and also the sower, we can ask ourselves how 
goes my prayer life. These apostles were full of fear in front of this squall, in front of this danger, in front of this upheaval, and uh, they were they were quite frightened. So they naturally had recourse to Jesus. And it could happen for us too. Some people are like you know, are very good. We have faith, like we believe in Jesus, like these apostles did. Some people go to mass. People receive plenty of formation. I'm sure you come here or you're seeing it online. You receive lots of formation. You know the faith. But it can happen, like that seed that fell on rocky ground, or like those apostles that are there uh, with Jesus in the boat, but afraid, that, that our prayer becomes cold and somewhat dry. And uh, there is virtue, there is struggle, but it is as though Jesus were asleep or maybe even not there, not even in the boat. We think he's not in the boat. He's not in the boat of our life, that he hasn't gotten into the boat. It happens to some souls that when they try to pray, they feel rather cold, they feel rather theoretical, they get easily distracted, they easily go to the phone when they're doing their prayer or when they're going to Mass. You could say they don't feel anything. They don't feel as though Jesus were there. We might say, I, in my heart, don't feel anything. When I pray, I don't feel anything. Kind of like when you get a bad connection on the phone, you're talking to somebody on the phone, and the voice of the person is interrupted, and you don't quite understand what they said. They... They say something, you hear one word, and all you hear is, and, and but, but you don't understand, it gets, keeps cutting out. And maybe our conversation with our Lord keeps cutting out like that. And uh, what is the solution when our prayer is like that? We don't know what Jesus wants. We have difficulty discerning solutions to our issues in life. We just have a, a bad connection, like a poor Wi-Fi connection. You try to download something and it seems to take forever, right? You click the, the YouTube thing and, it, and they're just spinning, the spinning wheels, all you get. Well, deep down, if you look at why there is a lack of connection with Jesus, it may also be because there is deep down a lack of affective connection with others. A, a, a lack of affective connection with others. Maybe a lack of true empathy and understanding and a heart for others. Because the heart that we use to love Jesus is the same heart that we use to love our parents, our brothers and sisters, our friends, our family, our uncles, our aunts. It's the same heart. We don't have one heart for Jesus and another heart for human things. It's the same heart. We only have one heart. And 
we know that Jesus himself used very affective language. A language that, that drew on the affections of the heart, the warmth of the heart. He said to the apostles, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now stay close to me, he's saying. Or here, why are you terrified? Why are you nervous? Don't be nervous, he's saying. Or when he meets Peter precisely on the shore of that same lake, Lake of Genesaret, he said, do you love me? More than these? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. No, but Peter, do you really love me? Lord, you know all things. You know, he was, he was getting kind of concerned that you should ask him several times like that. It wasn't simply about believing. It wasn't simply about theory. And, and for some, this language about affection, warmth, feelings, simply doesn't work for them. As though their nervous system is somehow truncated or their affective system in terms of prayer is a bit atrophied. And whenever they pray, for them prayer is just, you gotta, you know, sit straight or you've got to kneel and you've got to bend over in a certain way, and that's prayer. But they don't seem to get affected. They, they, they don't get moved. They don't get touched. They, don't, they never weep in prayer. As though prayer is just a physical stance or the murmuring of their lips or saying certain, certain prayers. Even they get nervous at the thought that they have to maybe somehow be charismatic. Of course, it doesn't mean that we have to throw up our arms and, 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 and wave back and forth as some people do in these massive uh, crowds. But we do have to develop a kind of prayer in which our heart is touched and our feelings in some way are touched and we hear the Lord Jesus speak to us. Now, we know that the language of the heart and the way we are able to understand things with the heart, which includes the emotions, is something that is truly, it's, it's formed, we know, in infancy. Perhaps in those times of life, in those moments of fragility, where we needed some affection, some understanding, or just some simple encouragement, when we got that, that hug or that embrace from our mother or our father's closeness when he holds our hand, it's a beautiful thing to see a child holding his father's hand. It's not as though he needs, strictly speaking, to hold the hand because they can walk on their own. But the closeness of the father there is a way of indicating his protection, indicating his closeness, indicating his affection. And the child somehow needs the, the closeness. And precisely when he gets a little bit um, sort of uh, independent, he'll run off. Uh, but as soon as things get a little bit 
scary, he runs either to his mother or to his father. And we need that, that kind of warmth, that kind of affection when we're young, because it forms our heart into a language that we later on need when we get older. But there are times in our life when we're young, when we precisely needed a, a, a kiss or a warm hug or closeness, that we didn't always get it. Now, this naturally, this differs for all. Some people come from different families. Some people come from dysfunctional families. And naturally, it's not their choice. But it, it'd be good to, to go back to that time in our childhood and see if we can re-experience those wounds uh, that we might remember. Like maybe imagine, just, you know, imagine just uh, like the day you came home with a, with a report card or you did a, an exam or something like that or an assignment and you got 80% on the assignment on some project you had worked on at school, you're in elementary school or something like that, and you showed to your dad, you got 80% and you'd worked hard. And he sees and he says, you should have gotten 90. You should have gotten 100. Yeah, you're, you're better than that. And uh, now, he might have said that in a well-meaning tone and maybe even, even as a way of somehow teaching to, to be better, but that could have been experienced as a young child as a kind of a slap in the face and an experience of, oh, he demands so much of me. I'm never, I'm everything, anything I do is never good enough. And then when you go to your mom and uh, your mom's always busy with the other children and, and cleaning the house and I don't know what, and she, she would give you a hug, but she's just too busy. She's not there for you. And, and moments like that for some people can become kind of symbolic. They're only one event, but they can become kind of symbolic of their whole life that day becomes uh, symptomatic. And then when dealing with others, they might feel that, that loneliness. And that night, when you were expecting a warm appreciation, a hug and some, something like that, you go to bed, some, a child can cry himself or herself to sleep because they feel a kind of uh, real in that moment, a kind of loneliness as they go into their room. Well, it is good, I would say that, to pray about our past. Kind of go through it like an old movie that we've seen before. And when you picture yourself in that room of yours, or you're alone, and you feel the bitter taste of that loneliness and you didn't get what you expected and your heart is, is feeling the bitterness of that wound, then you place Jesus in the scene. Though it seemed the whole time he was asleep, he was there the whole time with you. And as you cry, Jesus comes and whispers to you, It's okay, I'm here. Why are you terrified, as he says to the apostles? Why are you afraid? Don't worry. I'm here with you. 
you did a good job on that project. 80% is pretty good. It's pretty good. And don't worry about what your dad said. He just said that because he's got the mortgage on his, on his mind. He's worried about this thing and that thing. And he has other things. But don't worry. You did good. And your mom didn't have time. That's why she didn't give you a hug. That she's, she's, you know, and, uh, and he, he will defend you. He'll defend your parents. He'll come in there to heal that broken heart. That's what we have to do. As we go in and think about those moments of our past, of our childhood, when precisely our heart was being formed, and maybe we've forgotten that Jesus was there the whole time, and we might have thought that he was asleep. And he enters there, and he can really open up our heart and, and become the, the, the healer that we need. And then, when we do our prayer now, we pray with a kind of cured heart, with a, with a closeness to, of Jesus, who may have seemed asleep at one point in our life, but we know the whole time he was actually there. And he's here now with us during the pandemic, during the difficulties that we have to experience, even during the cold. And our prayer can really be transformed from being something somewhat cold and somewhat um, rote or a habit. And maybe this is an invitation for you and for me to go to our prayer with a spirit of newness, a newness. To go in there as though this was the first time I was praying, the first time I was encountering Jesus, meeting somebody who is a great friend, but like rediscovering something new. Because if we go, like we say, they are Father, Hail Mary, Glory, we said, we know it, it's kind of like a habit, we know how to do it, and we're not really stirred up by it. And that's when we can come dry and unfeeling and the, the seed that he places in our soul can uh, not necessarily bear all that much fruit. But if we do it with newness, knowing that, knowing that he was there the whole time in our life, in our childhood, he was always there, ready for us, loving us. The Lord will open up horizons that we may never have expected and, and, and change the kind of life of prayer that he wants us to have. He's saying to us now, where was your faith? Where is your faith? Why are you terrified? I'm here the whole time. And every day as you do your prayer, it no longer becomes a habit, but it becomes something truly new. And we can ask our Blessed Mother too, to enter into her heart, the Sacred Heart of Mary. She'll intercede for us so that our prayer may truly be one where we feel a deeper sense of being in touch, a good connection, and feel that the Lord is not asleep, but truly alive in our prayer. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask you how to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you.